Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that is listed. We're in week two of seven days, and we're examining some of the events which took place during the Passion Week. That's the final week that Jesus spent on this earth. And so we began with Palm Sunday, and we began with Jesus entering Jerusalem, and the crowds are shouting praises, and they're making the religious leaders uneasy, and they really want Christ to put a stop to it. And what does Jesus say? He says, well, if, if those shouts stop, and the rocks are going to cry out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be replaced by a rock. God wants us to worship with everything that we have, with our emotion, our attention, and with our abilities. And all of that was on Sunday. Today's Monday, and we're visiting the scene of another famous event during this week, which I think isn't entirely understood in its proper context. The important takeaway from this event that we're going to get to in a moment is dismantling barriers which keep others from coming to know or even really worshiping the Lord. When I was a teenager, um, I had a phenomenal youth pastor. In fact, he's one of our overseers here at Radiant Church. And uh, we experienced a high level of, of growth at, when I was probably 16, 17 years old in that student ministry. And we had hundreds of students coming out each week. And, you know, whenever you have a lot of growth like that, it, it, it stirs the pot a little bit because it's inevitable that some kind of, you know, even small controversy is, is going to pop up. And the reason for that is you have a lot of people who aren't Christians coming to church, many for, you know, the first time. And so one of the things my youth pastor did was he would allow students to smoke cigarettes outside the youth building. Now, this was the 90s, okay, before there was the huge, big, no-smoking push that effectively banned smoking, like, everywhere. It, it still, though, it, it was kind of a shocker, <laughs> right? And, like, what kind of youth pastor allows students to do that. But what he knew uh, was those kids who are lighting it up on Wednesdays before service. They had never set foot into a church before, and yet here they were. And so when service started, they had to put out the cigarettes. They had to come into the youth room and, and participate. And, you know, there were, there, were, there were folks who didn't like it. I mean, some of you probably cringe hearing that. But, but one by one, those kids who used to smoke before service, well, they stopped. And it wasn't because someone gave them a lecture or told them they couldn't do it or whatever. It was because they actually they gave their lives to Christ, man. They, they became believers. Now, you know, our youth pastor understood how important it was to remove barriers, to make it as easy as possible for people who had never set foot in a church before to connect with Jesus. And if that meant, you know, they smoked outside on Wednesdays before youth, okay, fine. He was going to take the, the backlash, risk that from a few church people. Um, you know, as a result, because his heart reflected the heart of Christ and, and really reflects the heart of this church as well, that you can belong before you believe. How about you today? Do, do you share a similar passion for people like that? You know, for those of you who are already Christians today, are you willing to do what it takes to remove any and all barriers so others can easily connect 
with Christ. You know, I think many of us would say, yeah, like I, I, I want that. And, and we, we want to see people know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover their purpose and make a difference. Those are the pillars we have here at Radiant Church. It's the Great Commission in action. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, the Great Commission, this is the actual mission that Jesus gives the church. It really boils down to this. Go into the world and make disciples. Doesn't really matter how you do it. Doesn't matter what you use. Just, just, just reach people for Jesus. And I think that's one of the great genius moves by the Lord. He did not codify how to do church or how to minister to people. He just gave the directive, go do it. And it's up to us to carry it out. That's one of the reasons why the body of Christ is so diverse in just multiple facets. And yet, despite giving us the freedom to figure out all the different ways we're going to reach people for Jesus, there are moments where it seems like the gospel is not advancing the way it once did. And, and when this happens, you know, people blame everything. They'll blame the culture, the government, churches that are too conservative, churches that are too progressive, you know, El Nino, like what, whatever, you know. And the truth is, the people who can stop the gospel's advance really are, are you and me. That's right. It's, it's the messenger. If the gospel's not advancing, maybe it's because we're not advancing. Maybe, just maybe here, okay, we have some temple problems. I want to take you to Matthew 21 here today. Matthew 21, verse number 12. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people who were buying and selling animals for sacrifice. And he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it in to a den of thieves. Now, this is one of the most misunderstood passages, I think, in the Bible. Most people read it. And they think, well, Jesus is pretty angry, you know, right? Because people are buying and selling in God's temple. They're profiting off others. They've turned the temple into a marketplace, you know. And uh, it's it said with the same disappointment, I think, um, that many have with, you know, older abandoned churches that are now like restaurants and museums and other venues that, 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 that they have out there because yeah, it, it, it was supposed to be a place of worship, but now it, it's no longer used that way. However convenient the explanation might be, it doesn't actually tell the whole story, though, of what's going on. And, and the buying and selling in itself um, is not what gets Jesus angry. This event takes place days before the Passover. And we already noted that last time uh, we were talking, right? The Passover comes, comes around and about a million people are visiting from out of town. So many came from different nations to offer sacrifices and worship gods, right? Or worship the Lord, right? And so if you're coming from like, you know, Libya or Syria, are you bringing with you uh, your sacrifice on the journey? <laughs> Probably not. In fact, most people traveling such long distances didn't do that. So then how are you going to go get an animal for the temple sacrifice? Well, you have to purchase them on site. And even though the Roman Empire rules the land, not everybody used the same currency. Currency was, was different by region still. And on top of that, you couldn't use just any currency in the temple anyway. You had to use the, the, the temple shekel, which is the currency in the temple. So if you're coming from Egypt and buying your sacrifice at the temple, you would exchange your regional currency for the temple currency and make that transaction, and then you would take your sacrifice over to the priest. That's the real reason buying and selling is, is even happening. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Jesus is not turning over the money tables because people are buying their sacrifices and exchanging currency to, to, to do so. So why does he do it? 
What was the, the real problem? Well the, well, the key here lies in his quote from Isaiah 56, 7, with his reference to the temple being a place for all the nations. I want to take you there uh, here in just a second, because in Isaiah 56, the Lord gives a, a prophecy concerning the nations and those who were not Jewish who turned to him. In fact, here's what it says, 56, verse number 6. We'll back it up a, a, a hair here. I will bless the foreigners. These are Gentiles, non-Jewish folks, okay? I'll bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve Him and love His name, who worship Him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all the nations." So the real problem wasn't buying or selling. It wasn't that people were too busy for God or whatever. The real problem was this exchange uh, was being set up in a particular place. It was set up in a place called the Court of the Gentiles. This was the outermost area designated for worship, specifically for foreigners, Gentiles, to worship God. And by setting the exchanges up here, the Jewish leadership prevented Gentiles from worshiping the Lord. They were robbing those who were not Jewish of the opportunity to experience God's presence and to present sacrifices of their own. And this is why Jesus claims that they've turned the temple into a place of thieves and why, again, he, he makes it a point that God's house is a place of prayer for all the nations. The temple, which was supposed to be a place of worship for everybody, became full of hindrances, keeping people out. And here's the thing, just as Jesus cleared out the temple in his day, I think he wants to clear some things out in us today. That 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that we're the temple of God. Like we are the ones who carry the presence of God wherever we go. God's presence is not confined to a building or a certain group of privileged people. It's every believer, right? Every Christian carries the presence of God. So the question for us as Christians today, are we creating barriers for people who want to know God? Do we need to clear out some barriers? When we say yes to Jesus, He has every right to enter our lives and clear out every barrier that we've erected, every hindrance we've prevented, or created preventing folks from coming to know the Lord. Everything really is supposed to go His way, right? And there's no room for our own self-interest. Our decisions, our opinions, our beliefs, our plans, every part of who we are is to be led by Him. So I want to ask you again, and I want you to just be brutally honest with yourself. Am I creating barriers for people who want to know God? Is my treatment of others creating a barrier? Is my social media behavior creating hindrances? Are the words I'm saying and what I'm communicating, are they creating barriers? Often we, we create many ands to being a follower of Jesus. We become Christians and we want people to look like us on Sunday. We become Christians and we expect people to talk like us. We become Christians and we expect people to vote like us. We become Christians and we expect people to adopt our church subculture kind of like overnight. There's a lot of ands there, <laughs> but God has a different way. You don't find Jesus forcing people to change before they're accepted, do you? You find Jesus accepting people first. And once they realize they've been accepted by Him, what do they do? They open their hearts. They allow the change that God wants to bring to take place. The message of Christ is you can belong before you believe. 
Accepting Jesus and becoming like him are two completely separate things, by the way. It's very easy to accept Jesus. Romans 10.9 tells us that. If we believe and confess that Christ is Lord, we're saved. It's that easy. Why then do we complicate salvation so much? Because we've added all the cultural ands, just like the Pharisees did, that burden and really weigh people down. Becoming like Jesus is a process known as sanctification. It happens right after you've accepted Christ, and it takes a, a lifetime really to complete. You never finish it this side of heaven. You know, you're daily becoming like Jesus in a very progressive fashion. So instead of worrying about, you know, how a person votes or what they listen to or whether they have tattoos or any other kind of like and that you want to put in there, why not catch the fish and let God clean them, okay? Focus on reaching people for Jesus and belonging before believing even, right? And let God do the work of changing their hearts. If you can grasp that and stop trying to force change, that's really important. God could use you on a greater level to reach an even greater number of people. One more thing about this passage. These people thought they were honoring God and what they were doing. And Jesus comes in and says, whoa, 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 hey, you got this all wrong. And that tells me this. It's possible to do church and still get in the way of advancing the gospel. We can worship, we can give, we can serve, we can preach, and still miss what God is doing and wanting to do in the lives of people in our communities. So I, I don't know about you, but I always want to be in a place where I'm asking God to open my heart to what he's doing. I never want to get religious. I never want to fall in love with the idea of church at the expense of falling in love with Jesus. Let him clear out the barriers in your life today. And, and once that's done, man, it's time to open up the house, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, where you came from, what color you have, what sexual identity you're, you're, you're grasping for, whatever your income level might be, education level, whatever your deepest, darkest sins, you are welcome in the house of God. You can come in, discover your purpose in Christ. You can come in and find life with us here at Radiant Church, whether you know, you're, you're local to our area or you're watching online. The house is open for you. So listen, like everywhere we go, we carry the presence of God. Are people experiencing God when they're with you? Are our, our, our temples giving everyone the same opportunity to experience the heart of God the Father? Like the heart of truth today is we may be more apt to let certain people experience God's love and shut out others you know, that we come into contact with. So are, are, are you being Jesus to the guy on the street who's struggling? Are, are you being Jesus to the single parent living and struggling next door? Are you being Jesus to the person who's homosexual, transgendered, and, or whoever it is trying to search for an identity? Are you being Jesus to the black person, to, to the white person, to the Asian, to the Hispanic? You know, uh, one of the phenomenons I think historians are going to write about in the future is just how tribal we have become here in the 21st century, especially here in America. Uh, we are grouping people together according to labels and demographics, and we're elevating certain types of folks and demonizing other folks. And it's all in a very subjective manner. It's not bringing unity. It's only contributing to further fractionalization. It's more important for us than ever to break this current cultural mode and the uh, mold the body of Christ and to reach all types of people. Why, why so much pushing uh, to, to be accepting, you say? Well, John 3, 16 tells us this. For this is how God loved the world, not, not the system or the politics or the culture, but the people, humanity. 
He gave His one and only Son so that Americans, Jews, women, minorities, the rich, the poor, no, everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' cry was to open up the house. So as the temple to the living God today, we're committing ourselves to opening up His house. And once we've opened up the house, you know what we're going to see? We're going to start seeing these verses take place in our own circles. Matthew 21, continue the story. The blind and the lame came to Him in the temple. This is Jesus. And He healed them. People shouted praises to him, and, and Christ began working miracles in their midst. Everything began to change when the temple became the place it was intended to be, the very definition of the good news. It became the hope of the world. It became filled with the presence of God. If the gospel isn't advancing, there's a temple problem. It's not the building. It's not the service. It's not a formula or style. It's the person. God can move just as powerfully with a large group of people in haze and lights as much as He can with three people on a park bench. You know why? Because where Jesus is lifted up, He will always draw people to Himself. And when He's not uh, the person we're pursuing, when He's not being lifted up, where His presence and power isn't evident, then barriers begin to arise. People get shut out and the gospel grinds to a halt. My hope today and throughout the next few weeks in this teaching series, is we allow Christ to cleanse our lives, the temple that we, that, we, that we are, to get rid of the barriers, the hindrances, to open up the house for everybody. Because I think it's time, right? It's time we bring those who are far from God in our community the hope that they've been longing and searching for. So what if today you made a decision to do just that? To allow Christ to clear some things out of your life. It may be your prejudices that have to go, Maybe the words you use or the way you treat people. It could be abandoning what God has called you to do. Whatever it might be, ask yourself, am I creating barriers for people to know God? Let God get rid of everything which prevents others from connecting with Him in your life today. But then, of course, there are those of us who are present or watching and listening right now who may not be able to confidently pray that prayer because, well, your life isn't really a temple. You don't carry the presence of God because maybe, maybe you don't know Him. Or maybe you don't know him like you thought you knew him. And for you, Jesus wants to clear things out which have held you back from becoming the person God's created you to be. You can take care of every wrong you've done. He can exonerate you. He can give you a fresh start. You don't have to try harder to get better because nothing you can do to earn can earn God's favor, right? Like you're just simply having to pray for Christ to enter into your heart. And he'll give you a brand new start. So I want to begin right there today. If that's you saying, Pastor, I, I, I want to pray that prayer to know Jesus. So I'm going to walk you through a prayer. We're going to model it for you. Say it in your own words. We're going to make him Savior first and then make him Lord. And then I'll pray for you who are believers, okay? So, Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now who say, uh, you know, I, I can't honestly say I'm a follower of Jesus today, but I, I want to make that decision. I want to get in the right spot, the right place here today. So we're going we're gonna to pray this prayer. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. God, please forgive me. I've done things I'm not proud of. I know I've done things that have violated your standards, and, 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 I, and I've done things, Lord, that are clearly wrong. And I pray you would forgive every sin, every darkness, every wrong motive, wrong word, everything I've done, Lord, to bring shame and dishonor and, and pain. And Father, I pray that you give me a brand new start. Save me, Jesus. Be my Savior today. 
cleanse me of my sin and my wrong. And I want you to be Lord of my life, too, because I've done things my own way. I've lived my own life. It's not working out. I'm not going to call the shots anymore. From now on, Jesus, you lead me and you guide me, and I'm committing myself to following you and obeying you and serving you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord here today. God, for those who are Christians, and they say, man, I've got some barriers I've put up in my life. I've got some things that I need to clean out. I need to open up the house to my temple. Uh, Lord, I pray for those believers. You would convict them, Holy Spirit, of some things they need to get rid of, some things they need to change. Lord, may we be compassionate followers of Christ. May we be people who see others as you do. May we be uh, followers who bring light into darkness, God, and have the mindset of rescuing people and the mindset of God helping folks to be accepted and to belong even before they believe, Lord. We cannot force change. We cannot force salvation. But God, you, you can bring that, that kind of stuff about. You can bring life transformation to those who are in darkness, uh, Father. So use us to bring these people to you, and may you do the work of transformation and change and salvation. Help us, God, to be like your Son, who with passion and zeal clear things out of our lives that are creating barriers, keeping folks from coming to know you. Help us, Lord, to be vessels and conduits then after that for ministry to effectively reach folks, God, for your kingdom and your glory. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.